Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Stevie Lennox from the Belfast band Junk Drawer who release their debut album Ready for the House on Friday, April 24th. They're a band from Belfast completed by uh, Stevie's brother Jake, Rory D and Brian Coney who you might recognise as the founder of the Thin Air music website which is still going strong and to which Stevie also contributes. I think this album is for fans of Weezer and Pavement. Junk Drawer have been going for four or five years and they've just really, really honed that kind of mid-90s American sound. And it was nice to chat with Stevie a little bit about Pavement, who he was supposed to be seeing at Primavera Porto in the summer. And I was supposed to be seeing uh, probably the week previous, I'm guessing, at the main Primavera in Barcelona. But obviously they've been postponed slash presumably cancelled. So... We get in our chat about pavement, whether or not we'll get to see pavement again. Certainly not in 2020, I don't think. I did get to see Junk Drawer for the first time, I think, earlier this year when they played the Kino at Quarter Block Party. And I thought that they were brilliant and they managed to capture that energy really, really well on this album. It's only seven tracks long, but when you consider that the first song on the album what i've learned slash what i'm learning is almost seven minutes long and the last track on the album pile is about six minutes long plus most of the other tracks come in at at least four minutes you've got plenty to dig into there they had gigs announced but obviously those have fallen by the wayside as well but i can tell you that you can order a very very nice looking 12 inch vinyl from junk drawer belfast.bandcamp.com and hopefully we'll get to see them live again at some point in 2020 or 2021. Uh, they recorded the album with Chris Ryan from Robo Cobra Quartet, an act I always have trouble saying the name of and it's released on Art for Blind and if you stick around for the end of the chat you'll be able to listen to one of the songs from the album. It's called Mumble Days which we actually reference during the conversation we're talking about and this won't make any sense stomach acid affecting uh the vocal voice you'll listen to what we say about that know that the track that we're talking about is mumble days and you can hear the full thing at the end of the conversation which we'll get into uh right now this is my chat with stevie lennox from junk drawer So congratulations on Ready for the House. Are you happy with how it's uh, turned out? Kind of, I don't know, has it been a long time coming? Like four or five years in the works? It has, yeah. I think we actually started recording it. Uh, Chris that recorded it will know better, but I think about two and a half, definitely over two years ago, the first set, the first recordings were made for it. It was originally going to be an EP. Um, we were going to follow up with one. And then Chris, it was Chris Ryan that recorded it from Rubicobra Quartet. He just said... The songs are all, they all kind of have like a dis, dis, some disparate elements that might be better suited to like a long form thing. I was like, yeah, it's that, you know, every band has that thing where they're kind of afraid to go for the big album. And it's like, if not now, then when? So we then just kind of took a write, just took a writing break, uh, just played some shows, wrote away until we sort of had enough for what we thought was was the album. Were you actually bothered about the idea of making an album? Um, not at the start, but then once the idea got into our heads, we were like, yeah, it'd be kind of nice to not be like another EP's forever band. 
because you know it just sort of happens and i i don't listen to a lot of eps anyway it's like it's a it, it feels like a local band thing um where you do it just to get some stuff out into the world so people have a good taster but after that if you feel comfortable enough in what you're doing why not just release an album it's going to be a better showcase and you're probably going to learn a lot more from the process too and and so obviously did do you feel like you learned a lot from the process like was it actually a a, a long time in the works as well like from start to finish of making the album I, it all kind of came naturally, so we never felt too conscious about, we never had to, like, feel overly conscious about it, um, we just kind of got on with it, but it definitely was quite a long, it was a hell of a long period of time, and then I guess we kept thinking, oh, we put it out then, uh, it didn't really settle until we actually had an album name, and then it felt sort of real, and we thought, right, now we can actually go order things, but it gradually accumulated, like, we kind of didn't push getting a cover we liked and just wee things like that until it was all just right and with Chris um like we hadn't record yeah that was the first thing we recorded with him that album and again as I say it was going to be an EP but it was him who kind of gave us just a few songwriting just tips and things like that it's really beneficial because you never really think how it it made us reevaluate how it is to uh, approach your own music if you know what I mean um uh, at the start, it was just kind of too many guitars all fighting with each other at once, and he kind of just started teaching us the dynamic that obviously carried across okay, because, I mean, most of the albums recorded live uh, in the studio anyway. Um, at mostly Chris's request, I think, and we were like, that sounds easier than having to overdub painfully for, for months. Right, yeah, and, and, like, just in terms of, say, comparing with, like, the first EP that you released back in, like, 2016, I think it is, and now, and, like, going through that period with uh chris like do you think that the band has just like come on in leaps and bounds or is it just kind of like a couple of tweaks here and there yeah i think we're at the core of the same band i think we're just more the band we all wanted to be more so like there's still some stuff from that like uh, i've still have a lot of time for um do you ever think about existence adrian off that last ep but after that you know i don't really think about it as much it gave us quite a good just overview but i think we played like a few shows in a row in belfast where you know you had no i know everyone's had that phase but no one showing up and things like that and you're just let's just disappear from playing live for a while and just record and write and enjoy being a band i think because i mean that's all you're in it for you're not really expecting fame and glory and the rest of it so we kind of just took a break played a bunch of shows and it was actually I think we started we all started getting a lot more into psych rock and kraut rock and things like that and felt like our enjoyment of that we started like catching up with it musically so we could actually write those kinds of songs. So I think the actual first show that we played after kind of disappearing for a while was down in Cork for Alliance at the Crane Lane. That was that's probably our favorite our first ever show where we felt like we were the band we are now, if you know what I mean. It just people responded and it was just a plenty of a bunch of people we didn't know with a set list we were way happier with and as a a unit who'd just been practicing for a while. It all just kind of felt like it was one you know, a bit more one unit breathing on stage as opposed to just four guys playing at you. At least from our end anyway. It just started to feel really comfortable kind of from that point on. Right. I always think that like it takes it must take bands so long to actually find that sound that sounds right. Like, I, you know, just in terms of like generally speaking, I always think of like a new band as like, you know, they release one EP or one single or something and then an album comes 18 months later. But it sounds like for you guys, you didn't properly find your sound for like double that length of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could say we're slow learners. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that 
it's just I think as well as that we just have lives on the go too. So you know we're not gonna we're not necessarily a practice twice a week uh, kind of band. It's play when feels natural and you know try and hold yourself to the same standard you hold because we hold ourselves to fairly high standard at least to what we expect from the music we want. So it's just pretty much that rather than just chucking a bunch of things out and playing shows for the sake of it. We're all we're all terrible procrastinators as well, and we're all kind of mates too. So there's always a certain element of just dicking around and enjoying ourselves. And we probably should be more productive and proactive. But I mean, I think it come it turns out with uh, I'm pretty happy with how it's turned out to be honest. Um, it's definitely my favorite thing I've had my name on uh, to date anyway, and sonically as well. I'm really happy with just it. It just feels like a natural sounding record, I think. Um, and that I'm really happy with that as well. Great. It must be weird releasing it now and talking about like productivity and playing gigs and stuff like now in the middle of this pandemic. Like what were you guys supposed to be doing for launch week? Did you have like some gigs lined up and uh, other shows around the country or whatever? Yeah, we were actually going to make an effort for a change. Like um, we're just kind of band who shows up on stage and plays a show and hopefully that carries, that energy carries over. But we were, we were going to have... Um, uh, my girlfriend who lives just around the corner and I, I can't even friggin see her at the minute hardly she uh was going to do a bit of stage design for us we we're going to bring down some plants and uh we had some like nice glittery backdrops and some visuals to play and stuff like that so we we're just gonna just make a nice show for people i think hopefully make it worth them coming out uh to the thing uh we had a couple of really cool shows down in limerick and cork that lined up really well where we were playing with um robocobra and ice bear and olivia fury um, we were like super excited about those, but obviously that's fallen through. Those were the first ones to go, and I thought we we just thought, ah, the album will be grand, uh, and then sure, we'll always have the Dublin one in the middle of May, and it just keeps ticking off. They all go, but I think we're still gonna learn. Well, we haven't had the chance now, but we will learn uh, the album in its entirety properly again, because there's a couple of songs on there. There's one song we haven't never played Temporary Day live, just for the practicality of carting a synth somewhere. Um, and being kind of afraid to, that it won't translate well but yeah we're gonna do the whole album live and i've been on at the lads to me learn a couple of just weird inventive covers of things for it as well so it'll definitely be a different junk drawer show and hopefully a better one how are the dynamics of the band working during this like you live with uh jake uh your brother who's in the band and then there's two more in the band as well like are you talking constantly about like ideas or like trying to stay creative or something like that or is it just kind of like just try and get through it all yeah at the minute honestly i think it's just getting through it uh we're all kind of just busy with our own wee things i just haven't really had the motivation to pick up my guitar as much but i, I mean i have been sitting right there and i'll just pluck away whenever it's around but um i think jake and i have sat together in a room with the intention of writing things like once this entire thing and it's just it's one of those things you kind of beat yourself up about it but at the same time i look back at my history and history has told me that i'm not productive whenever i'm just stuck in the house you know it only ever really i think it happens a lot better for us anyway is when we're all in the same room we all write in different ways but i know definitely coney rory and i would be more prone to like a spontaneous cool idea in the moment and maybe you just get more into it because of the energy of it just being a new thing jake on the other hand would be kind of more uh bringing a general song idea to the table and it's kind of handy to have that to be honest uh because if there's no inspiration striking, at least Jake's there with something that we can bounce off. But I've always been kind of more of a bounce offer of ideas and just like, you know, whatever energy's in the room at that time. Ends up with better song, I think, for me. Uh, it's totally different for other people, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe 
just go back to the start of Junk Drawer back in like 2015, 2016. Like, how did you guys start? You're all like in different bands, like around Belfast, I think, were you? Yeah, I was like, I was making some like noise rock post hardcore stuff, like pretty intense, uh, not screamed vocals, but yeah, with a couple of guys who are now in Mob Wife who are doing, are doing really cool stuff too. And it's funny because we've all kind of went in a similar directions there on the heavier end of what we do, but it's all gotten more indie, <laughs> uh, just generally in the more indie rock direction, the three of us. Uh, but that was probably my f- my first like good, you know, good band that you could actually show people and show to a critic and they're not, they don't, you know, laugh at you and fob you off. And that was fun. That was a couple of years, you know, toured the UK a few times, just had that nice little understanding how to be in a band thing. Brian had played, he hates me mentioning this, Brian plays in the classic rock band called Cross-Eyed Mary and he, <laughs> leather jacket, the whole works and uh, no one knows about it and here it is, it's out now. Am I going to have to cut this from the interview? <laughs> you might. Uh, yeah, if he listens, he's not, I'm not telling him about it unless he listens back, so sorry, sorry Cones. Um, but yeah, so, uh, that kind of stuff. Jake, uh, Jake and I played in a band when we were younger and he would have played a little bit of folk and stuff but nothing in particular and Rory, um, who is our like all-around ancillary, ridiculously strong musician, to just bounce anything off. You can kind of just plop Rory in any instrument, and he'll just do the thing, like as well as we could hope for. It's great. So he he played with um, a band called Mons Olympus, uh, who are kind of like, I guess like space rock sort of thing. That's how I got to know him, and he, Coney, and I sort of ran in the same circles anyway. Plenty of late nights, friggin' you know doing the usual uh before and after gigs so i think we were all kind of mates before we were banned or before that but just knew each other from local gigs and uh hanging out and sharing records and stuff right yeah and and just like the idea of of starting a band was it just like you know just talking about the influences that you wanted in a band you were like ah we may as well just start jamming together it's pretty much that like most things and like most things that have happened really in the band it's all just something that felt like an inevitability that we just get around to at some point and it just happened to be one of those things that we actually did get around to coney was the only other person i knew that was like massively into you know built to spill and slint and stuff like that uh, which is kind of the good, the, far, the foundations of the band. And Jake is much the same. Obviously, he and I are brothers, so we just kind of 80% shared, you know, uh, on the Venn diagram of taste. And Rory kind of, Rory's just a, I like him, friggin' music magpie of everything. <laughs> we I mean, Hopeless is a three-piece. We played one show uh, that thankfully only about 10 people saw at my friend's house, and it was a disaster. <laughs> we just threw in an Aerosmith cover as well. But Rory, uh, thankfully Rory saw it and was like, I'd kind of like to play with you guys. I was like, please, <laughs> please, please save us, Rory. So that was that was the first Junk Drawer gig? Technically, yeah. But the first one uh, we played was uh, as a four-piece, the first sort of one with more originals and that chemistry of us all working together. Did you keep the Aerosmith uh, cover in for long? Only only the once. Uh, I think we opened the first, I, we opened the set with it, uh, which will be a great... Uh, <laughs> quiz question years on you know <laughs> I, I love that you remember it though you know i don't know is it is it a good memory or a bad memory is it like i can't believe that we did that memory <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a discomfort and inevitable memory <laughs> just sticking on like your influences for a while like you know you you put them in the press release and and everything and uh, they're I, I guess they're obvious for want of a better word but it's kind of nice as well just because you don't I don't hear many new rock bands who are coming through who are actually, you know, kind of sounding like that early America, Americana, American kind of sound, like Pavement. It seems like it's a sound that you just don't hear that much nowadays from a new act. Yeah, not really. Um, I think I hear it the odd time as a 
like as a buzzword or something, and then I'll listen to the band. It doesn't really. It just sounds more like a, yeah, it can be a bit slack. But I mean, it's one of those things. I think everyone in some way is probably just expelling whatever's on their record shelves or on their Spotify playlists or whatever, you know. I have an awful lot of time for them, and it's that kind of interesting thing where the thing I love about Pavement, I think, the most is that even though they're obviously, yeah, they're cool, they're slack indie rock in the 90s, but and they have the sardonic thing, there's a lo- you can tell there's like a lot of, they're all heads, if you know what I mean, there's, there's a lot of, um, you wouldn't be surprised if you find a couple of them at like a Philip Glass concert, or like, uh, just listening to some weird, like, just listening to Can, things like that, um, or some weird experimental jazz, and I kind of like that about them, there's just going to be some weird moment in one of their records that just like clicks, and goes into this spontaneous thing that just seems completely unnecessary, but makes sense only because it's pavement. It's that thing where if you make your music like that kind of, I suppose it's like the junk drawer approach, pretty much anything can come out of it um, and people won't be too surprised and you can therefore get away with more. I think that's kind of what I like about pavement. Right, yeah. Um, they, they were supposed to be headlining Primavera this year and presumably then like announcing a world tour, like touring the world for a year or 18 months or whatever for the second time. They came back in 2010 or 2011 uh, as well. Like, were you excited about the prospect of maybe seeing them again or are you like, uh, I don't know about this? No, no, I, I've I've never seen them actually and none of us have. Uh, Coney, I think, narrowly missed out in the Dublin show they, the time they played. But we actually all had tickets to see them at Primavera Porto this year. So I think it's been postponed until September, but it's hard to even know if that's going to happen or if I'd even be bothered to leave the place. I also have tickets to see Andy Irvine and Paul Brady that weekend too, so don't attempt it. Not, uh, presumably not in Porto. Not in Porto. <laughs> not in Porto. Um, but no, I'm, I am dying to see them. They're pretty much top of the bucket list. I've seen Radiohead, I've seen Philip Glass, I've seen Sleep, and this pavement are probably the... seen Neil Young. And Zeppelin aren't yeah. going to reunite anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think just sticking with Pavement for a sec, like, I, d- I don't know if I like the idea that, like, it's very much about the money for them. You know, like, they're like, we're not going to write any new music. You know, we're not going to even think about, like, a new Pavement album. You know, we're just going to play these and we're going to, like, rake in the money. They've been very clear about that. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Malcolmus is still making good music on his own. Spiral Stairs is making good music on his own. They're all doing their thing and... They realise that it's been long enough that a lot of people who really, really appreciate that band just want to see them. And as long as they don't look like they're cashing in in a a performance standpoint, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, to be honest. Like, uh, I saw the Stone Roses, like, God, probably about eight years ago now, and that was embarrassing. Like, it's a real shame. I have a lot of time for that band, but yeah, there's the difference. (laughs) I saw Ian Brown live as well, but like he's just not good live, I don't think. I think his voice is completely shot. It's shot, yeah. It's the Liam Gallagher thing. It's just whatever uh, whatever concoction it was from the throughout the nineties and all into the early noughties, uh, that where he was ingesting hasn't worked out in the long term so well. Is is uh is Liam Gallagher's voice not good now either, no? I, I haven't listened to his new music at all. Oh no, in terms of listening to his new music, not haven't bothered trying, but uh judging on the last I saw them live once. Um I've a lot of I do have a lot of time for them, much to the chagrin of everyone I know, just because they were such an important part of my childhood. Um I watched the documentary there the other week um on Netflix and it's great because it only covers up to when they became just before they became bad. It's up to Nebworth and then gone. Yeah. It's funny because the energy of those first two albums are so good that you can look past how terrible the lyrics are like really really bad <laughs> but i saw them live just before they broke up kind of just 
let's do this and get it over with. And it was a cool show, but going back to some of the 90s shows, I was actually surprised that he had a great voice um, back then. But I think, yeah, it's just a classic thing where they all drank so much and spent their time watching football instead of just treating that thing uh, like it deserves to be treated. Isn't there a line on the Junk Drawer uh, album about, um, what is it, like something like stomach acid affecting the singing voice? Uh, yeah, stomach acid hurts my singing voice. Yeah, Jake had... Um, He'll not mind me saying this because he said it in interviews before, but Jake had a real struggle with bulimia last a couple of years ago, and on, I didn't I didn't know a thing about it honestly. I don't think we were living together at the time, but yeah, he just wasn't doing great. It was the end of uh, university, and that song "Mumble Days," yeah, it's a Jake song, and that's one he actually brought. I think, with the exception of some of the heavier guitar lines and the outro, um, that was all written going into the album. Uh, just by him and it's definitely like jake's little uh <laughs> sort of psychological masterpiece in there that it self-contained jake's world um where he just expelled a lot of stuff that he needed to get out it does seem like there's i don't know may- maybe it's that idea that like you're kind of expelling a couple of things on the album like kind of getting it all out like on, on the press release uh you say um that you're suffering from a lot of communications problems epilepsy and brain fog and i didn't realize it until afterwards but it was an, it was an expulsion as much of the album is do you want to talk about that a little bit like it sounds like maybe you weren't wanting to kind of confront some of those things before but it sounds like you're you're happy enough now with how you are oh yeah definitely it's been long enough it's been long enough since then um because after i finished university i did i studied chemical engineering for a while and that would have been really good money really good whatever uh stevie use your brain for the right thing and you make lots of money and have a mortgage in volvo um family dog um <laughs> but it just uh, uh, it just it fell into a total ennui at that point. That's going way back. And then I changed over, decided to study music technology, enjoyed it, but also career prospects kind of limited. Around that time, it always seemed to be just uh, much like Jake ending uni. Um, kind of as that was ending, I had a couple of really, really bad seizures. And just the symptoms of the epilepsy were getting such to the point that every day I'm having conversations that are going to get really difficult and I'm still not great at it now but you can kind of I just work through it and most people I know are kind of know the crack if I have a little blank spell it's just that um and medication's a lot better than it was after graduating I kind of spent I think I lived with went moved back to my family for about a year classic too many rides with the old boy when are you going to get off your ass sort of stuff as well but at the same time yeah it was just kind of that haze of uh depression not really being able to communicate my point and whenever i think it felt like not being able to be taken seriously because i couldn't really articulate it that well as well so it was a really hard thing and i don't really like to feel like i'm being a burden on anyone either uh or complain because it's really it's not the worst thing in the world but it, it falls into that weird kind of forgotten area between like mental health and physical health epilepsy so it's and it always, everyone experiences it differently too. There's some things I totally share with other people I've chatted to who have it, but some people have it completely different. They'll just have um, big seizures for like a few days at a time, and that sounds way worse. So for at that point, I'm like, is it even worth singing about this? Is it really fair for me to try and drag this sad sack ass um, into being a subject that even matters? It was more the effect that it had on uh, my mindset at the time. I'm still quite a cynical person, but it, it just made me way less willing to go be around people and even bother trying with things because 
at some point I'll be distracted. Like my concentration span is, it's still not great, but and you know, getting through a book is a challenge, um, but I'm trying. <laughs> Reading some Joyce at the minute uh, for the big choice prize, hopefully. <laughs> so I'm trying to think. A lot of the lyrics from that period kind of came from that year. There was one, there's a couple of lines in the last song on the album pile that I'm not really a big one for just sort of lifting a line and saying, oh, that's from that moment. I wrote that song about that time that that happened. Generally, I try and take, like come at it from a weird kind of more oblique angle or whatever but I thought if we're going to finish the album on something I feel like it should probably have some kind of emotional honesty at some point because Jake's been doing it for long enough and it's just like why hide behind stupid metaphors for for this long with uh with Pyle there was a show I think it was Kurt Vile uh, we went to see and if it wasn't for my girlfriend I would have probably been hit by a car or something it was I just kind of totally lost my bearings and where I was at and had to be taken home by her. I was like one word responses. It was the weirdest thing. It's never, it's never happened in that way since, but it was just, um, I realized gradually that I hadn't taken my medication that day and I was at the gig and enjoying it kind of fine in a visceral or like natural second nature body response, but I couldn't like think beyond that. It's hard to describe, but you know, Laura would be asking me questions or saying something about the gig. And I kind of just couldn't really communicate. And we got onto the bus and I started panicking and freaking out that it didn't have a bag. Um, even though it was just sitting right beside me, it was just this really strange. It feels like it almost didn't happen now, but yeah, it did. Um, it was weird. And I've actually <laughs> written a review of it that it still exists somewhere in the Thin Air site um, that takes that into consideration because I thought I might as well get some writing out of it. That's probably the low point of of the whole thing. There were a lot of like seizures, ones that happened in the middle of the night where I'm just sort of, it was very strange. Sorry, I don't mean that to be like a a dirge. Um, but yeah, no, that's pretty much the, the whole story of it. Right. Do you have to think about it before you take to the stage? Like when I think of epilepsy, you know, the flashing lights thing is the main thing that I would think about that. That's one of those things that actually doesn't really affect it. I think it only photosensitive epilepsy is only common in like I think under five percent of cases. A lot of the time for me it's a kind of a combination of stress, sleeping pattern, which is something I probably still don't have totally under control. That's my own fault. Um but those two, obviously medication, because there's so many different medications and they all affect you differently. Um the one I was on at the time was really bad for my uh, mood swings and stuff generally so it just kind of exacerbated a lot of stuff that the epilepsy affected in the first place I'm currently in one that it's not great for my concentration but not really having uh, absences in the same way at all which is great I think a lot of the time was I wouldn't and as well as that just not just forgetting to eat if I forget to eat in the, well mostly in the morning I could maybe leave the house go do some stuff and I don't really realize that it's clicked in or I'm starting to go through a bit of an episode until I meet someone and have to like articulate an idea so I think a lot of the album is kind of written about not really being able to articulate anything or just, I think everything, I think all art and some, to get highfalutin, um, I think all art uh, in some way or another is just trying to communicate that weird, it's just trying to say something to someone else uh, that they cannot articulate in words. I know it seems kind of obvious, but we don't really, I don't think about it that often either. And it wasn't until someone said it to me recently, I thought, yeah, that really is pretty much all it is. Does it feel like you got something off your chest with that last song where you are trying to articulate things? Absolutely. I kind of think the I think the only lyrics I wrote after it kind of came out of the fog and felt a lot uh, healthier about everything 
was actually the first track in the album and Pile was kind of the closure on it, the way I would see it. But it, uh, it was just, um, <laughs> if I can mention it, um, there was uh, an experience with psychedelic mushrooms that kind of just give me a lot of closure on things but i can just not i can gloss over that um it was nothing nothing even major just it was just a, like kind of a nice wee moment where i realized like i can probably just let a lot of this stuff go and uh it's hard to describe but it just i think after it hit rock bottom there was a certain point where it just started to clear again uh changing medication um moving to belfast again starting to just set daily goals and organize my life in a better way as well Things like that. Um, I think it's, and it's just probably, I think it's probably, uh, I know your brain, this is definitely the case with epilepsy, your brain matures and you can't, if, if you're going to have it for life or you're not, or if it's going to cure, it's going to happen by about the time you're 25, which is when your brain matures. Um, so in and around there, I think is a weird time for a lot of, um, you might have a minor crisis or something like that, you know, uh, in that weird transitional time into becoming an adult. And a lot of it's just like that weird journey that isn't talked about as much of just oh oh shit oh shit i'm an adult now right okay better uh better start focusing on it and you start to realize your parents are children as well and and so like have you come to terms with that now that you will have it for life that you'll like be on medication for life as well for it yeah it's grand i mean i can't drive which is really annoying because i'd love to be able to take the band around and do a bit of traveling you're you're not allowed no, um, not until I'm two years seizure free, which is a lot, but that's the cost you have to pay, you know, I like get half price buses at least. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I guess that's one. That's one minor, itself. minor thing, but not in the South. <laughs> so yeah, no, honestly, I think it's a lot better. And Jake's the same, you know, I think we've probably accepted that it's like maybe in your genetics implanted or whatever, that you're always going to be a bit, you might have some, uh, seasonal, whatever uh ups and downs or episodes but at least i think it just equipped equipped me with the tools to kind of deal with it and also just talking about it with people and listening to music as music as therapy and things like that really really help but just finally learning uh learning the value of uh sitting down to con directly confront a problem instead of running from it for a long time because uh, i'm definitely guilty of that <laughs> i'm sure many of us are and have you found that like the that idea with the writing of like confronting issues straight on is something that you've continued since you finished the album like i don't know if you've done much writing since yeah yeah absolutely i mean um a lot of it's just uh i mean there's a long notebook and we have we have one song recorded that's absolutely kind of in that vein as well but um it probably continues on that strand of uh that uh forgiving your parents for uh giving giving you what you got from them and uh, kind of coming to terms with not necessarily being the person that they thought you would be when you were uh, a young upstart or whatever. Just be things like that. And I think it's all just hopefully addressing that in a more optimistic fashion. Um, and you mentioned the first song on the album. That was like pretty much the first uh, note that I made on the album that I wanted to ask you about. Like, it's pretty ambitious starting uh, an album with a seven minute song like this that kind of goes through a few mutations, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think it just felt like the right, it just felt like the right opener to me, or to, I think to all of us. It kind of, again, it's one of those things where everything kind of fell naturally. I think with any band, if you're going to just operate as a band who just want to do things in their own unique way and at least just become the best version of themselves rather than uh, into a box you just kind of allow things to happen naturally 
and we all felt that way because it, it's always a nice set opener too because that first couple of minutes is a nice mellow lull mood thing and then snap um, and I almost feel bad that there isn't more uh, mad high octane rock on the rest of the album but yeah it felt like a nice snap into things you know and it's released on Art for Blind Records, which must be nice. I presume that you're kind of a you, you've supported them plenty in the past, so it must be nice to kind of uh, have them in kind of backing you along the journey. Absolutely, there. Uh, Danny and Adele have been friggin' lovely the whole time. Because um, I think we, I'm sure Coney and I pestered them a couple of times whenever we were you know emailing back and forward about just sharing their other artist material, um, and it's just. Yeah, it just felt really nice because they don't, it's again, it falls into that nice thing of there's not really a sound art for blind. It's more just artists being themselves. Like there's Wild Rocket making mad, heavy, uh, repetitive psych kraut space rock and uh, Pow Pig doing deadly weird pop and like Altered R's obviously speaks for themselves. It's just a bunch of really cool stuff. So to be in that, um, just to be in that conversation, just that's nice enough. We never really expected even to be at that level to be honest, um, but they've been really lovely to deal with, um, just as well as that, just kind of giving us those wee things that we wouldn't have had otherwise of um, UK distribution uh, and access to like PR and stuff like that. It's been really nice. Do you think that like, you know, it's still important to kind of release uh, music, release an album like with kind of an established label like that, because obviously, you know, during the past couple of weeks, people have just been uploading all of the music up on Bandcamp and trying to really implore people to buy music again. But these record labels that have been going for 10 years and have weathered presumably a couple of storms along the way, they already know like what's actually involved in like distribution and like how to get an album noticed and stuff. I just wonder like, do you think that bands should be aware that like, yeah, you can put your stuff up online, no problem, but actually you should be thinking, you know, a little bit bigger? Yeah, I absolutely know what you mean. It's that thing where and Belfast's particularly bad for it, um, just because we kind of have that weird island thing, or like we're stuck in a, in a portion of an island, and so many bands don't leave uh, Belfast, and it wasn't until we left Belfast that we sort of became a band, as I said earlier, the band that we thought we could hopefully be, just gain some sort of recognition or just be seen by people uh, outside of your own friendship circles, and I think that's a really valuable thing if you want to try and approach your music and just critique yourself if, as well. Um, so, and at the same time, like so many bands in England are, there, there's nothing worse about any bands here. It's really nice to see that it seem there seems to be a bit more of a, like a globalization when it comes to uh, bands being able to get out of here. Like, you know, um, like Just Mustard now, you know, are touring constantly and playing really, really cool festivals over in uh, the UK and beyond. And it's now not really as much of an issue, I think, the music business has moved to that point now where there's a nice infrastructure in place. But I think you could absolutely aspire to be that weird band that you might not even see live, but at least to be made the effort to be seen as on that level. Because um, there's so many weird bands that pop up on Spotify for me from, you know, fuck knows where in Ohio or whatever that they probably have about the same amount of fans as us, but they're they're much better. Um, but they're in the same league as any other band. It's just a matter of PR and things like that but it's a hard thing to do it's a hard thing to get a foot up on as well and i think we got really lucky with the 
NI Music Prize last year. We got really lucky with just having enough money, at least, to then put into PR or to put into sorry uh, vinyl, which for, just freed up a lot of resources for us. And just wee things like that, just trying to be practical and responsible, so that uh, the so, the so-called little man can kind of find his place. Cool. Well, you know, usually you end the interviews by saying, so what's next for the band? But I guess, like, you don't really know what's, uh, what's next, when your next gig is going to be or anything like that. God knows. We do actually, we'll have a, another, a newer song coming out on, uh, so you maybe know me and Danny, Carl from Shrug Life and Paul from That Snake uh, do a Litany of Failures compilation. Um, and there's a third one coming out over the summer of that. So we've got a load of really cool stuff. I'm hoping, I imagine that the vinyl and the gig that was supposed to happen on the 4th of July will probably be postponed. But there's some new music coming from some really, really sweet artists on there as well. Oh, so you've got you've got that to uh, occupy your time. So after the album, I'm trying to get junk drawer. So it's something. Uh, then we'll be playing catch up because we have nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> cool well listen thanks a lot for uh chatting ready for the house as i say is a is a really really uh great album so congratulations on that and like enjoy it as much as you can like in the current in, in the current circumstances thanks very much Ah, here the weather's good i'm gonna go out and uh, have a read and it'll be lovely cool just don't go too far <laughs> no no absolutely not
Singing 